<laughs> oh, boy. All right, well, let's, let's just keep moving. Verses 12 through 17, I think, are hilarious. And I, I tend to, I'm a visual thinker, and so when I read this, I was envisioning this happening and just laughing out loud at this. So here's, here's Peter, who has just miraculously escaped, and he's got to make his way to someone's house. He sees that the lights are on at Mary's house because there's a bunch of people gathered there. And he's like, he gets there, gets to the gate, and he starts pounding. Well, so let's read it first. And when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. When he knocked at the door of the gate, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing in the front of the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. They kept saying, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had led him out of the prison, and he said, report these things to James and the brethren. Then he left and went to another place. Okay, so <laughs> so he's out there. He's like, he's like, they're after me. You're like, let me in. And this girl comes out. She's excited. And he's like, yeah. And she turns around and walks right back inside. He's probably like, what? He's like, no, no, let me in, let me in. She's in there trying to convince the people, yes, it is. And, and you can probably see out the window, Peter like, okay, you know, let me in. You know? And they're just like, no, it's not. She's like, yes, it is. Like, That's his angel. No, it's not. Like, I, I can recognize his voice. And, and probably someone finally said, well, let's go out and see. Like, Maybe after 10 minutes or so of him just like, bang, like, come on, right? And they come out there, open the gate, and they're all excited. He's like, shush, 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 be quiet, be quiet, ushering them in, you know. Anyway, I, just, I think it's hilarious, but that's all I have for that section. So I don't know if you had to write that down, but <laughs> God has a sense of humor. <clears throat> Chapter, uh, verse 18, now when they came, there was no small disturbance, or when day came, there was no small disturbance among the soldiers as to what could have become of Peter. When Herod had searched for him and had not found him, he examined the guards and ordered that they be led away to execution. Then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and was spending time there. Okay, remember, the Herodian kings, these client kings, had a lot of pressure on them from Rome to keep the peace, to make sure that their vassal states were... Uh, under control, and and he like he wanted to be liked, and so th there was just it was too much for him. So of course he's going to do the, the the drastic thing and just kill the soldiers who allowed this to happen, and then he had to leave because most of his life was not spent worrying about what was going on in Judea. He had he went to Caesarea, which he felt more at home in, um, and he was trying to. I think that at this time he may have even been putting on a, a gala or a celebration for the, the emperor of the time who had just won a victory. So he, it was just, I'm not defending him at all. I'm just saying that when we, when we read these things about these kings, about Herod, that it isn't just a bad dude on a throne being evil. It's a human person who's put into a situation that is just unwinnable, and all the character flaws he may or may not have are going to be exacerbated under this pressure, and he's going to do bad things, even if he is praised in the rabbinic literature for his piety. Like, it's, it just doesn't make sense. It's so complicated. And understand that this is going on. 
be underneath these verses, and Herod the king took James to be executed. And he killed his soldiers, right? There's so much more there. I hope, I hope I'm bringing some of that out for you, this context, so you can see just how complex the reality on the ground was at this time. Okay, moving on, verse 20. Now he was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and with one accord they came to him, and having won over Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they were asking for peace because their country was fed by the king's country. On an appointed day, Herod, having put on his royal apparel, took his seat on the rostrum and began delivering the address to them. The people kept crying out, the voice of a god and not of a man. And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and died. Um, again, context, this, that verse 23, that didn't happen like that. He wasn't there, dropped dead, and, and worms, right? Which, what a way to go, right? Worms? Like, okay. um, kids, plug your ears. <laughs> Horrible. Um, this took a little while. It, was, it, wasn't, it didn't drag out, but it, 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 didn't, it didn't happen immediately. Um, and again, here he was. This, there's obvious a lack of peace in his vassal state. He's trying to deal with it while also trying to garner the love and admiration of the people. He comes before them in, in fancy dress, and he's talking, and he may even be talking truth. And the people are like, this is from God, not man. Um, and he's allowing this to happen. So just all these insecurities and things going on that just led to, led to horrible, horrible stuff. Verse 24, but the word of the Lord continued to grow and to be multiplied. The threat from Herod Agrippa, so he died, right? So the threat from Herod Agrippa and his campaign to root out these believers so that he can be thought of well by the people, that was over, right? Sigh of relief, right? Well, the Gentiles in, in the region that he also ruled over were very happy that he died. Anyone guess why they were very happy that a Jewish king died? Because he was Jewish. So they were still living in a very sharp anti-Semitic culture. So yes, Herod Agrippa wasn't going to keep going down his list, and it probably wasn't going to be, that list wasn't going to be handed off to his son, Herod Agrippa II, to continue. He was doing this because he wanted the people to, to like him. So that threat was gone. But they were still living in a time where the Gentiles would much rather have a Hellenistic king than a Jewish king. Verse 25, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their mission, taking along with them John, who was also called Mark. And this is the son of Mary, whose house uh, they were praying in earlier in the chapter. Okay. <coughs> I'm going to... Let's, let's think about all the different groups of people who had it out for followers of Yeshua. And I want, you to, I want you to tell me, I have a list here, but I want you to tell me who it, what are all the people groups who had it out for uh, disciples of Yeshua? Who were the sources of persecution? Anyone? The what? 
So uh, we could say the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Not all the Pharisees, but the Pharisees too. Sadducees, Sadducees for political and theological reasons had it out for uh, Yeshua followers. The Pharisees, some of them had it out for them too for political reasons. Okay, so we've got the, the rabbinic class, rabbinic class of Jews. Who else? That's two groups. Some obvious ones. Who? who? Yep, the Romans for political reasons. Um, not not necessarily. And when I say Romans, it's more like the Roman rulers, people in charge. That was more political and less, maybe a little philosophical reasons, but not not really. Not when we're talking about leadership, uh, people who are ruling the Romans. Okay, that's three. Who else? Zealots, yep. Now, the zealots weren't necessarily, they didn't have it out specifically for the Yeshua followers. They had it out for anybody who wasn't them, basically. So they would, they would be the cause of some persecution too, not because of any ideological or philosophical differences, but because they just didn't like anybody. They, they, yeah. So the zealots, four. The Herodians, of course, we see Herod Agrippa. He's not Roman, he's not uh, the rabbinic class, he's there, this, that dynasty of kings, so the Herodians also had it out for them for political reasons. Who else? Let me, I'll help you out. The strong anti-Semitism among Gentiles. The spirit of anti-Semitism among Gentiles. That was a source of persecution as well. And the last two are the, the defenders of pagan ways, people who, were, who just didn't like the way that they were doing things religiously. So they had religious and cultural beef with Yeshua followers. And then finally was a group of uh, people we would lump into together as the, the magicians and the occult leaders, uh, things who had, people who had religious and philosophical beef with Yeshua followers. So these are eight, and there may be more, but there was at least eight groups of people who were the sources of persecution of the, the believing community in the first century. Eight different groups. Here is, here is what I think what we can take from this chapter, which again is just pausing, stepping back, looking at the reality of on the ground, talking about some uh, persecution, some uh, execution, imprisonment, uh, King Agrippa's death, bringing him into the mix and talking about this. This is why we need this chapter right now, and especially why we need it now in 2023. We who are in America... I think as, as believers have lost our, lost our, the strength of our muscles in keeping an eternal perspective and understanding that the norm for human history, especially for people who believe in Yeshua, is persecution. That is the norm. The baseline for human existence in this world, as a believer in and follower of the risen Messiah, Yeshua of Nazareth, is one of an ever-present threat of persecution. 
In the first century, it was at least these eight different groups. But what do we see these people? How, 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 are they joyful? Yes. Are they hopeful? Yes. Are they willing to die for the cause? Yes. All these things. What most of us have experienced in our culture and society, as far as religious freedom is concerned, is the exception, not the rule. And we have been accustomed to the expectation, or we've been accustomed to the exception for too long. We need to reacquaint ourselves with reality, the reality of our beliefs and the way of our life being at odds with the world. Much more than eight different groups of people having it out for us. And not only at odds with the world, at odds, at times at odds with other believers. At odds with family. At odds with friends you may have walked with in this journey for most of your life. And we have to be comfortable in that reality, learning to still find joy and remain hopeful and faithful, facing what might be certain death with a smile and a blessing. Think of the story of James and his informant. James was calm, and on their way, on their way to, to die, his informant looked at him. What he wanted most wasn't to live. He wanted forgiveness from his brother. And he asked it humbly, and James thought and said, be at peace, gave him a kiss. And they faced not an end together, they faced the next step into something bigger because they had an eternal perspective. We are part of something eternal, just as they were. The work they did, the next generation built on top of and keeps going and going and going and going and going. Our end is not what you think it is. It's not what we have been taught to think it is. Our physical death is nothing. It's nothing. It's what everyone else has experienced who's ever lived. And how are we going to face it? How would we face it? We have to come to terms with that. We have to ask ourselves, how will we face our death? Will we face it not, not worrying about it? Will we face it seeking forgiveness and a blessing? I hope so. Now, it's not easy for us because we have been living, with the, living in an exceptional uh, circumstance and environment for a long, long time. So we have to, there's muscles there that have atrophied that we can, that we can work on. But it starts, I think, with understanding context. What is our context? Who has it out for us? There's a difference between understanding what the dangers are and being afraid of them. We all need to know what the dangers are, as they did, which is why Saul and Barnabas didn't just take the money on any day and go down to Judea. They waited to go with a crowd so they can blend in because they knew, like, yeah, there's some crazy people out there who don't know the Lord, who don't follow Torah, who are going to do brash things. And though they may stop me, they cannot stop what Yeshua has started. That will go on, with or without me. And it is an honor and a blessing to just be a part of it for a little time while I'm here. So, 
Any, any thoughts, any questions? Eternal perspective, knowing that persecution is the norm, and being okay with that. Is that, is that hard to swallow? Maybe. Do you, do you want to believe that that's true? No, I don't. But I think I'll be, I think we'll be better at loving each other if we, under, if we understand those two things. Does that, does that sound right? Yeah. Any questions? Any, any thoughts or comments about, about this chapter? Anything, that's, anything that jumped out to you? <clears throat> any, maybe any conversations you've been having about these types of things lately that you want to share? All right. Well, let's go ahead and, and uh, close in prayer. Um, and then uh, I'll go ahead and stop the, the live stream and do some announcements before we go donate. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for not only for uh, <coughs> the word you gave to us that has passed down through, through the millennia, but we thank you for all the other people uh, throughout history who have taken it upon themselves to document what else was going on in the world so that we can better understand and give context to what the believers, the Messianic community in the first century were really up against. And so we can see that they, they, weren't, just, they weren't just towering figures of faith on the face of it. They were actually facing great um, adversity and opposition and persecution. And they took it in stride. And I pray, Father, that we would become a community of people that helps each other take this all in stride, take this life in stride, to be able to, to wake up and face the day, uh, to know that you are good and that you, uh, you provide for us and, and that, you're, that you want for us to thrive. You want for us to be well uh, and to live this, this life um, as agents of your peace in the world. We thank you and we, we praise you and I ask special blessing on us during this time of, of traveling and celebrations that we will all uh, be a part of to some degree or another, uh, that we would all be safe as we go about doing those things and that you'll bring us back um, in January together uh, to see each other and to be grateful, to be ever grateful for the gifts you give. We praise you and we thank you all in the name of Yeshua, Yeshua of Nazareth, our Messiah, our King and High Priest. Amen.